Morning, class. Thank you. Well, it's good to be home. It's a bit cold today. Apparently we bring the weird weather with us wherever we go. (laughs) Got my canoe out and went to Georgia. And uh, got there. The day we got there, it was uh, 70 degrees and raining buckets. It was like being in Central America. And then as soon as we left, they said it got cold. So, ha ha. Serves them right for living in the South. They have to deal with it too. Now it's good to be home, begin to get into somewhat of a normal routine again. December is crazy at my house, so what with Christmas and birthdays and so forth. Well, Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for everything that you have done for us, all that you're doing for us, God. And we just want to glorify you today. God, I I bind the flesh and the carnal mind and loose Your Spirit, Lord God, that You would say precisely what You want to say in this place. God, and that we would hear precisely what You want to say in this place. God, give us uh, ears to hear and hearts to receive the things that You you have for us this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Go with me to 2 Chronicles 36. So the Bible says that uh, in Proverbs, it says that by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So he also says in Romans, Paul told them that the, the goodness of God leads you to repentance. So uh, I think... Uh, I think sometimes God deals with us about an issue that He wants to change in our life or He, he wants us to come to that conclusion that something needs to change. And we, uh, you know, nobody likes that. Like, you know, we, we, want, we want God to be happy with us. We want Him to be satisfied with our life. And, and so if he, if he has something, He brings up something He'd like to tweak, it's always discouraging, of course. Um, but... Uh, this, that scripture in Proverbs really struck me. You know, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So, so it's the 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 very mercy of God and the love of God that that deals with our issues and gets things fixed. So He then purges us from our iniquity with. With His mercy and with us seeing the the truth of of, uh, of the issues in our life and the truth of of His love for us, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, Peter came to Jesus and he said, you know, how often can my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And of course, you all know, you know, he says, till seven times. Jesus says, seventy times seven, which is an awful lot. You know, and and I don't think even that that Jesus' answer to him really does more than brush the surface of the very depth of the love of God. 
So, little question, who knows how much water weighs? It's eight pounds per gallon. So, paint is obviously a lot more. Um, all right, Dave. <laughs> but uh, uh, we went to the Georgia Aquarium, and they had this little poster that talked about the different layers of the ocean as the, the light is filtered out, and it gets colder and the pressure increases from the weight of all of that water. The deepest place we've discovered thus far in the in the ocean is uh, the Mariana Trench. 6.8 miles below sea level or 36,000 feet roughly. And the 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 weight of that water, the pressure at that depth is over 16,000 pounds per square inch, which is an awful lot. About five or six years ago, I, I shot lacquer in my eye at about 1,800 psi, and that hurt awful bad. So to think of you know eight times that, you know ten times that, uh, just that that amount of pressure. And and the reason I bring that up is the 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 love of God and the the uh, I think weighs that much. It's that heavy, if that makes sense. There's just this 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 weight to to His love that that you you know what could you do with it but just just accept it. It's like you know who who doesn't like a nice heavy blanket on a cold night? You know it's actually kind of it feels good and and so. You know the the love of God is like that, and it has that that depth to it, that that fathomless depth. I mean, you know, thirty six thousand feet beneath the surface is kind of more than you could really get. I mean, that's that's awfully deep. So so the love of God is like that, and the reason I bring that up is because of this scripture that we're talking about here in Proverbs about mercy by mercy and truth iniquity is purged because there's that much depth in the mercy of God and the love of God and so it it is indeed his his love that deals with our issues so in second chronicles 36 in verse 11 Zedekiah was 1 and 20 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord his God and he humbled not himself before Jeremiah the prophet speaking from the mouth of the Lord and he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar who had made him swear by God but he stiffened his neck and he hardened his heart from turning in unto the God of Israel moreover all the chief priests and all the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and they polluted the house of the Lord which he hallowed in Jerusalem and the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up betimes and sending because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. They mocked his messen the messengers of God. They despised his words, misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. So you guys know the story about how Jeremiah was telling Israel, Babylon is coming and you need to submit to this. You know, it's very much akin to when uh, it comes time for your child to get a spanking and 
They, they want to make you wrestle them down for it. You're going to earn this spanking if you're going to spank me. You know, and uh, and I always I, I would always tell my kids it's like if you fight me, this is going to be worse. Just stop fighting me and let's just get this over with. And uh, and so because Jeremiah brought this word of just just surrender to Babylon and go because this is God doing this, then that would be the thing to do. And uh, uh, and so so it says that he. Uh, that he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. He, he humbled not himself before Jeremiah, and he rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar. So not not surrendering to him then was rebellion against God, because God put him there as as a as a punishment and a purging for Israel, because uh, they had all these false gods, they had all these these things that they did says that they transgressed very much after the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord that he had hallowed in Jerusalem. So, so God was ready to purge this, this idolatry from his people. And so he did it by taking him to a place that was filled with it, where there was all kinds of religion, but not real. And it's, it's funny how when you, when you know what the real thing is, uh, then you know everything else is less than that. And uh, it's funny because sometimes people will know, they, they know that God is real, but they, on, on some level, and yet they don't think they need to do anything with that. You know, we, uh, they, they like to call themselves agnostics. You know, and uh, I think they need some diagnostics because that's... Uh, Rather foolish thing, you know, to to think, you know, that well, I believe there's a God out there somewhere, you know. Um, I remember talking to a girl in high school once that she believed in God, but she believed that God only heard her when she was speaking directly to Him. I thought, oh, you you have greatly misunderstood. It's like He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're thinking before you think it. He knows what you're going to think. So you you are greatly mistaken. But uh you know, so the the fear of God then brings us into a place of of really following after him and that's what Israel didn't have here. And I think it's interesting because in verse fifteen he says that he sent them as messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place, but compassion on his people because he 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 understood the path that they were on and the destruction that it led to, so it wasn't just a matter of I said do this now do it how dare you not obey me, it it was more than that it's this this is not going to turn out well for you, so please please listen, and the prophet Zechariah prophesied after the return of uh, of Israel from the exile as they've come back and they're rebuilding the temple and he's recounting this he's recounting here's how you ended up in Babylon everybody and and he said that they stopped up their ears and they pulled away the shoulder when God tried to reason with them tried to talk to them and and I thought wow that's a really precious picture that it's like you you know I I tried to talk to you and you pulled away your shoulder it's like you know, have you ever tried to talk to somebody and that they're they're angry 
And it's like, you know, you just kind of touch them on the shoulder. It's like, hey, hey, seriously. And they, they just kind of pull away from you. And that's what he's talking about. Because God's warnings, uh, I think they sound dire because he wants you to understand what it is that he's saying. Because, you, you know, you have to spell things out for sheep. But he was, he's trying to tell them, it's like, look, this is a, this is a, a warning to you because I, I don't want you to go this way. That's why we correct our children. Because if you don't correct your children, then eventually the police will. And, uh, um, and, and actually the, the self-control that you gain from being corrected is, is actually a very uh, uh, peaceful thing in your life. It makes your life a lot, a lot more pleasant. So, so he, he's telling them, look, I've, I've warned you about these things because I love you. I'm not trying to come down on you like I'm, I'm angry with these things. And, and I am angry with these things, but, but I, I love you guys and I don't want you to go this direction, so don't. And, and it said that they mocked his messengers and despised his words. And, and they misused his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Therefore, he brought upon them the king of the Chaldees, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of the sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or maiden, old man or him who stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand and all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, the treasures of the house of the Lord, the treasures of the king, of his princes, all these he brought to Babylon, and they burnt the house of God. They broke down the wall of Jerusalem. They burnt all the palaces thereof with fire, and they destroyed all the goodly vessels thereof. And them that escaped from the sword he carried away to Babylon, excuse me, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed her Sabbath. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill three score and ten years. So, I like that word, therefore, in, in verse 17. Because he, he lays out this thing. He's like, here's... you know, Because any, any good correction has this clear understanding of this is what we're talking about, this is going to be the consequence of it, and then we're going to move on from there. So... You know, he says that, that the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. Uh, and the margin, it says that there was no healing, which is also an interesting word, I think, because cause this, that sin and rebellion really is like a sickness. And, uh, and when you're sick, you need to be made well. And so that's the very thing that God was trying to do. And so then he brought on... Babylon, because he was going to purge them of this stuff. The the thing that I think is interesting about that is that um, you know having paid such a high price uh, for you, um, he's not lightly going to let you go. You know, we were talking in Georgia about cleaning house and you know things that that God would have uh, fixed in your life, straightened out. And that kind of thing, and you know, it was, it's a simple matter of searching your heart. If you find something, you know, First John one nine, you confess it, he forgives it, he cleanses it, and you move on from there. If there is nothing there, then happy day. And 
Um, but it's I find it interesting because you know this is that calamity, destruction kind of place, and, and we talked about that a little bit because by the time you get to this point, this the wrath of the Lord arising where there is no remedy, then there is no sense of I wonder what it is that God is dealing with me about. I, I wonder if I have something that God's dealing with me about. By by this point. You've, you've heard what he had to say, and, and you're ignoring it. And that's, that's why he, he has laid out this thing. He said, I, I brought my messengers, and, and you ignored it. And so, but with his mercy, he doesn't just throw up his hands and say, okay, forget it. Because he could, I suppose. But, but he, he had a promise that he made to Abraham, and he had a promise that he made to David. And, and he has a covenant that he's made with his people. So go with me to Jeremiah chapter 50. You know, because sometimes, because we want God to be pleased with us, if, if God does have something He wants to deal with, like I said, it's very discouraging and it feels like He's ready to just kick you through the uprights into the, into the flames. You know. But by the like i said by the time you come to that point you you have already bypassed what it is he's telling you and, and you know so um you know we've and we've talked about that a lot around here about you know yes let god convict you of things you know honestly search your life but but don't go on a witch hunt determine that there must be some dreadful terrible thing that to find uh, because it's really destructive to your faith to to continually be um, looking at yourself with this this negative eye. This, this there has to be something. You know, I um, I used to always look at our our work. Every time we would do a, a custom home, I would put all this effort into making the trim look pretty, and we would come in the next day, and I'd be like, oh, man. I don't like this. This is messed up. Oh, I screwed that up. You know, I could just be walking around like, eh, looks good. And uh, as as time has gone on, uh, now we do the trim on a house. I come in, I look at it, and like, eh, it'll do. You know, and and it's amazing how much more content I can be with that. It's like, well, I'm I'm meeting the requirements of this job, and I'm going to get paid what it, what I'm supposed to get paid for it, and so that's that's good enough. You know, you know, I've got my work van out there today, and it says "quality is absolute" on the side because it's clever play on words. But quality is actually relative to the job and how much the customer is willing to pay. So uh, I have found that to be true over the years. So, but um, but but it's destructive to your your faith and your sense of being content if you're always looking for something bad. And so, um, I know Sandy had emailed around uh, some of the services from Georgia, and we talked about that a little bit. It's like, don't don't go looking for those things. Like, there has to be something there. If, if you don't find it, you know, and you've asked God to show you, and he doesn't show you, then, oh, as, as I tell my son, Levi, just relax. And if you were at his party yesterday, you know it doesn't work. So, six years old, my son. It's a crazy, crazy thing. Coolest six-year-old in Baldwin. So, 
So, Jeremiah chapter 50. The word that the Lord spake against Babylon, against the land of Chaldeans, by Jeremiah the prophet. So here's the same prophet then. Obviously, we're in his book. But the same prophet who, who Zedekiah ignored, this, this last autonomous king of Israel, semi-autonomous king of Israel, he, he ignored the things that, that Jeremiah had to say and led his people along with him into this um, uh, rebellion. And, uh, and so now, Jeremiah has brought to Israel this word about how I'm bringing Babylon as a consequence to your actions. And so, now Jeremiah is looking ahead. He's looking beyond this, this 70 years where the land would, would lay desolate. And now he's pronouncing a word of destruction against Babylon. Because Babylon has now served its purpose. It's purged its people from their iniquity uh, by the, the, the very purpose of God. Because he, he sent them there. He told them, you, you submit to this thing because this is of me. And now that they are done doing what I've had them do, now because they put their hand on you, I'm going to destroy them. So, I mean, how cool is this God? You know, I mean, maybe not so cool if you're Babylon, but... Um, but that's the that's the thing that God talked about. You know, Paul talked about Pharaoh like that, like you know, whom he will he hardens. And so it's like if this is the the purpose that God had for for them, then so be it. Because He knows billion times out of a billion what choice you're going to make, and so He can use those things. So the word that the Lord spoke against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet. Declare ye among the nations, and publish and set up a standard. Publish and conceal it not. Say Babylon is taken, Bel is confounded, Merodach is broken in pieces. Her idols are confounded, her images are broken in pieces. For out of the north there comes up a nation against her, which shall make her land desolate, and none shall dwell therein. They shall remove, they shall depart, both man and beast. In those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together, going and weeping, and they shall go and seek the Lord their God. And they shall ask the way to Zion with their faces to their words, saying, Come, let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that shall not be forgotten. So that sounds like, sounds like that iniquity has been purged then, doesn't it? This, this sense of faithlessness and infidelity of, well, no, this, this God will do. I was, I was reading to my children the Bible last night about how uh, Moses is up on the mountain receiving the, the, this revelation from God and everybody begins to wonder what happened to Moses. You know, it's like, like well, he's been gone for a while, so maybe he's not coming back. So Aaron helps out here, and so he he then of course you know the story he bows to the pressure he takes all this gold that they gave him, and I like how he explains it to Moses because he makes this golden calf right, and he says, well I just they, they, they you know the people they're they're set on mischief and they you know they gave me this gold I put it in the fire and this calf just came out, 
just came out, did it? Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so I, I enjoy that, but uh, um, you know, so now they have been purged of this. I want the golden calf thing. It's like I want a God I can see. I want a God that lets me do what I want. I, you know, all that stuff. He's like, have you have you had enough of life without me now? And 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 indeed they had. And so he says, in those days, they will come together, going and weeping. And they shall go and seek the Lord their God, and they shall ask the way to Zion with their faces thitherward, saying, Come, let us join ourselves to the Lord in perpetual covenant that shall not be forgotten. So so they're 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 ready for some monogamy now, ready for some fidelity to God because they understand what He's talking about. They. The mercy and truth of God has purged this uh, this particular iniquity from the from them. Uh, my people have been have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray, and have turned them away on the mountains. And they have gone from mountain to hill, and they have forgotten their resting place. And that's an interesting interesting thought. Because of course their their leaders, both political and spiritual, had led them astray. Because as as was the way of the king, so was the way of the people. And uh, it's no fun to tell people no. So if the people wanted mischief, then it was just as simple to let them do their mischief than to tell them no. After all, they might go to the next village and start going to that guy's synagogue and not mine, and and that's no good. So so he says that they have caused them to go astray and turn them away on the mountains. They've gone from mountain to hill. So they've gone from this, this high place to this lower place. It's like this descent into something less than. And that's exactly what the enemy wants everyone to come to is that place of accepting less in, in the things of God. It's like, well... Uh, I don't know that I could aspire much higher than this. I, I don't know that that I could ever come to something higher than this place spiritually. You know, uh, and it's interesting because if you're trying to do that on your own, then indeed you you won't go any higher. Uh, I grew up reading Calvin and Hobbes, and one of the greatest things I ever saw, and I thought it was very instructive for a lot of things in life. He's watching these fireflies, and he's fascinated with these fireflies. And uh, he's kind of got this funny look on his face. He's kind of bent down, and Hobbes tells him, well, your your butt hasn't lit up, if that's what you're wondering. And, and he says, well, I can't even figure out which muscle to flex. you know. And And I love that because trying to do things, spirit things, in the flesh, or with your intellect even, is just like that. I can't even figure out which muscle to flex. Man, faith! You know, and, and it just doesn't, it doesn't work like that. You know? So it's like, so who is it that's doing this stuff? Who is the one who takes you up the mountain? He takes you up the mountain. It's like, whose power is it that gets you from the beginning to end? It's His power that gets you from beginning to end. So... So the you know the harder you try it's like trying to climb up out of a out of a hole with, when the dirt is really dried out and really loose it's just like 
you're, you're running and running and running and you're not really getting anywhere. So they have caused them to go astray. They've turned away on the mountains. They've gone from mountain to hill and they've forgotten their resting place. You know, Deuteronomy 33 says that the eternal God is your refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. So that would be that resting place then, wouldn't it? So he would be that place to lie down in. And so uh, these these leaders then had not only taken them away from this this place of of height and, and grandeur and into this this low place, this colorless life, but they had taken away taken them away from their resting place till they couldn't remember where it was. And and God told them in Deuteronomy said, I am your resting place. It's me. So he says, all of them have, all that found them have devoured them. And their adversaries said, we offend not because they have sinned against the Lord. The habitation of justice, even the Lord, the hope of their fathers. Remove out of the, out of the midst of Babylon. Go forth out of the land of the Chaldeans and be as the he-goats before the flocks. Lo, I will raise and cause to come up against Babylon an assembly of great nations from the north country. They shall set themselves in array against her. And from thence shall she be taken. Their arrows shall be of as of a mighty expert man, and none of them shall return in vain. And Chaldea shall be a spoil, and all that spoil her shall be satisfied, saith the Lord. So I, he, just, he goes on and on. I'm not going to read this whole chapter, but I, I'm trying to get somewhere. But I, I like this because he spends a lot of time waxing poetic about how I'm going to destroy these people that would dare touch my people. Because you were glad, because you rejoiced, O you destroyers of my heritage, because you are grown fat as a heifer at grass and bellow as the bulls, your mother shall be sore confounded. She that bare you shall be ashamed. And behold, the hindermost of the nations shall be a wilderness and a dry land and a desert. Because of the wrath of the Lord, it shall not be inhabited. So there's that wrath of the Lord again, but now it is, it's, it's turned. It says, everyone that goes by Babylon shall be astonished and shall hiss at her plagues. Put yourselves in array against Babylon round about. All you that bend the bow, shoot at her. Spare no arrows, for she has sinned against the Lord. I find that interesting because they were, actually, they were doing the very thing that God sent them to do, and yet he says that they have sinned against me. So it's an interesting thing that God does in his, in his sovereignty. Shout against her round about. She has given her hand. Her foundations are fallen. Her walls are thrown down. It is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance upon her as she has done. Do unto her. Cut off the sower from Babylon and him that handles the sickle in the time of harvest. For fear of the oppressing sword, they shall turn everyone to his people and they shall flee everyone to his own land. Here's where I was trying to get to. Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away. First, the king of Assyria has devoured him. And last, this Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has broken his bones. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land as I have punished the king of Assyria. And I will bring Israel again to his habitation. He shall feed on Carmel and Bashan, and his soul shall be satisfied upon Mount, upon Mount Ephraim and Gilead. So I looked those up. 
because I thought that's interesting. And uh, so he shall feed on the place of the park in the soft, rich soil, and his and his soul. So so he's got this thing for his flesh now. He's like, you know, I'm going to take you to this place. It's like a park, and there's a soft, rich soil which is great for for agriculture. Plus, it feels nice to pee in your toes. And his soul shall be satisfied upon the mount of fruitfulness and on the hill of witness. So, so his soul shall be satisfied with fruitfulness and with this witness of the mercy and truth of God. Because you could look back and say, wow, that was really horrible. And indeed it was. But you can also look back and think, the the mercy and the truth of God has purged my iniquity and thank God for it. And so I thought, wow, I will bring Israel again to his habitation. He shall feed on the place of the park and the soft rich soil and his soul shall be satisfied upon the mount of fruitfulness and the hill of witness. And in those days and in that time, saith the Lord. So this is coming. This isn't this isn't yet when, when Jeremiah is telling this, this is still we haven't gone to Babylon yet. And uh, and he's already got this promise. You know, there, uh, In Georgia, Nonpet uh, preached this awesome service about how God declares the end of the work at the beginning. And then he backs up and then you go through it. So, so you, you know the conclusion of the thing at the very outset. And so... You just you just hang on for dear life and you just walk it one step at a time. And and that's what God does. And so that's what God's doing here. He's like, Hey, I'm sending you to Babylon and this is going to this is going to get ugly. But here's what I'm telling you is on the other side of it and so you just need to hold on to me and hold on to my word, hold on to my promises and walk it one bit at a time. And in those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, and they shall not be found. So then that the mercy and truth has purged their iniquity. It's not there. The the price has been paid. Uh, and, uh, you know, of course, God has paid that price for us. And they, sh- and they shall not be found. For I will pardon them whom I reserve. And so I will forgive those people who are that remnant. This is that this is that word that has that the remnant, the people who are left, the people who who endure to the very end. And so, uh, so he talks about this sense of I'm going to get you through all the stuff. You need not need not fear. Uh, me dealing with your life as if I would uh, grind it up and destroy it. Um, the the things that that he that he takes away in our life, those things that he brings his judgment and his destruction on, are things that you don't want to keep with you anyway. And so, so it's the very father love of God that that knows, hey, this is not good. Let's get rid of this and. And he's very gentle and entreating in the way that he that he deals with it, and and so it's it's a precious thing because at the 
at the outset of this this pronouncement of destruction coming, he says, "But I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna forgive you guys. I'm gonna bring you through this stuff. You you guys are gonna come through this as that remnant. I'm gonna take you to this fruitful place uh, for every part of your life. And it will then be fruitful. So so that's exactly the thing that God does." Uh, 16.6. Well, Jesus, we thank You for Your Word to us. We thank You for Your mercy and Your goodness. And we appreciate all that You've done for us. We appreciate uh, how every way that You deal with us is love. Uh, And God, I just pray that we would uh, have those eyes of faith to see You that way. Or that every voice that would tell us that you don't have good for us or our best interest at heart, God, that we would, that from that voice we would pull away the shoulder. God, that from that voice we would stop up our ears. Uh, God, I just pray, Jesus, that you would uh, do these things in your people. God, we uh, are in awe of of your mercy, of your love, your goodness. God, that that you would do these things. And God... uh, your ways are not our ways, God, and, and uh, we uh, appreciate that that you your ways are are higher than our ways, God. That that they're they're beyond what we could uh, really understand, God, and that they're uh, that that the breadth and the depth and the height, Lord, God, that all these things, God, are are uh, beyond what we could would hold or take in. Now, God, we just pray that. Uh, uh, in this service today, you would do exactly what you want to do, Lord God, that we would uh, bring you that that offering of, of praise and worship, and that you would be pleased, God, and that you would meet us in this place, and uh, that you would receive the, the glory due to your name, God, for the work that you have done on Calvary, for the work that you are doing in the church, God, that you would receive glory uh, forever and ever. Amen and amen. All right.